Hey, we're um, we're in a series called Bless This Home, and um, my name is, if it's your first time, my name is Wes, and um, and I get to hang out here every single Sunday, and I love it. And uh, this is my beautiful wife, Diana, and uh, she's the best thing about the church, and uh, she's awesome. She's incredible, and so um, we, uh, we're going to talk to you guys today um, on a topic. Last week, we talked about marriage, and uh, if you missed it, we want to challenge you. You can go um, to hopewintergarden.com, you can look on uh, our podcast and you can, or go to iTunes and Google Hope Winter Garden, um, either one of those, you'll find our, our, our conversation on marriage. And um, I thought it was good. Did you think it was good? It was great. Okay, good. You're supposed to say that. <laughs> and uh, but today we want to talk to you guys today about parenting. And here's what we want you to know today. Uh, we are, our experience obviously is limited. We have a nine-year-old and we have a five-year-old. He's almost 15. And... Um, and we have two-year-old twins, so we don't claim to be professionals by no means when it comes to parenting. We have been in youth ministry for 10 years, and so we have did youth ministry for 10 years at two different churches, and uh, we love to see the next generation make it, and we believe the next generation. So we know middle school, high school students, and we've done that but for But they weren't our own kids, so we just tried out some stuff on them. Yeah, it was some awesome. Some of it worked, some of it didn't. It's great when, they're not, when it's not your kids. You're like, hey, let me try this on you guys and see if it works. And so it's, there's still a bunch of uh, to-be-determines left out there. <laughs> And um, so, um, so that's one thing we realized that today. So I don't want you to walk out and say, Wes and I, I think they have it all figured out because we don't. And uh, we're hoping what we, it, what we use today, hopefully it'll work down the road for our kids. But the good news is if you're in here today, um, if our stuff doesn't work, you can help us with our kids and we'll totally take all the help we can get. Please. Please, yeah. And then our parents. Um, we'll pay you, actually. <laughs> yeah, she'll pay you. She makes more than I do. Um, our parents, we know that they weren't perfect, but we think they did some things right. I mean, look how normal I am. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, <clears throat> I don't see either one of my parents in here today. Are your parents here yet? I don't see them. They're late. Our, they're yeah. late. They're not here. And so we can say whatever we want about our parents. And, um, but my parents, um, I, one thing I, Dinah said, what did, what did your parents do well? In, in one sentence, which it takes a lot for me to get something in one sentence. They loved us well, but they also punished us well. They loved us well, and they also punished us well. And then Diane and her parents... My, I grew up in ministry. My like before I was ever born, I was already I was already a pastor's kid in the womb. So, but my parents were very consistent in their discipline, and what he what happened at church happened at home. It wasn't two different lives, and so consistency is something that they've always been big on. Even as I began raising my own kids, my mom tries to tell me you can't you can't do that, you know. And she, Here, here's a book, you know. But they're they're consistent in what they do. They're they're um, it's not one day one day you're allowed to do this, and the next day you're not. I think consistency is a huge thing. I think it's funny. We kind of asked our kid. I heard you asking Hope yesterday, like, what's one thing you think mom does well? Do you remember what she said? She said you're always mean to them. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I heard. She could have said something else, but that's like, what I heard. Um, I'm like, what's one thing I could do better? Um, just take us to get Slurpees every day. Yeah. I'm like, all right, good. She, that's Got what it. happened. She did say that. So, um, yeah, anyway, so we're going to um, look at a, different scriptures today that talk about parenting and kids. Um, the first one we're going to look at is in Psalms 127.3. It says that children are a gift from the Lord. They are a, re a reward from him. And they're not a gift that comes with a gift receipt that you can go exchange for, you know, a different kid or anything. You may feel like you want to, <laughs> but you can't return them. Yeah, you can't, you can't return them. However, there has been days where I've wanted to be like, can I switch kids with you? And, and honestly, there's been days where I've, we, Tripp has a friend named Nate, and he's like, I just wish Miss Tina was my mom. And I'm like, fine, I wish Nate was my son, you know. So there is definitely days where you're kind of having the mindset of, oh, my word, how did this happen? You said that to our kid? No. Mm -mm. 
What is wrong with you? But here's the deal. The, the verse says that children are a gift from the Lord, and I believe that all kids, every single kid, deserves to be treated as a precious gift, no matter what family they were born into. And all of us come into contact with different kids, and, and God put us, God put me in the family. He put me in for a reason, and, and each of us in the families we've been in, and he put each of us on this earth also, I think, to minister to kids who might not have been born into a family that can give them everything they need. But anytime you see a kid, whether you're a parent or not, I think we need to remember that they are a gift from the Lord and that, that they should be taken care of with the utmost care. And that's our job. If you've been given that, if you've been given a child from the Lord, it is your job to take care of this gift like it is the most precious gift that you've ever been given. Yeah, the next generation is huge. And what we do with them, how we minister to them, how we love them well is important. So whether you have kids, you want to have kids, or you're going to have kids, man, what you do with your kids and what you do around kids, it matters. And um, because that's the next generation. The Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, um, in the New Living Translation, it says, direct your child. Or the New King James says, train your child up in the way that they should go. And when they get older, they will not leave it. They will not leave it. And I used to hear that verse all the time. And and I know some of you guys, your parents, you're like, man, I train my kids up in the Lord, but I'm like, man, they're, they're far from what I train them up. I was talking to a guy this week. He said, my parents raised me in church. They trained me up the way that I should go. At some point, I decided to make a U-turn and go the opposite way. He said, I left the church for 10 years, <clears throat> but I'm back now, and I'm back serving the Lord. I'm raising my kids in the church, and I'm, I'm, I want to have a godly marriage and godly relationships. He goes, but, and so if you're here today, you're like, man, my kid's not where they're supposed to be at. Your job is to train them up. It's not guaranteed that they're going to be perfect little kids and be robots and still be in church for forever. The goal is to train them up the way they should go and the way to part for it. But the Bible says when they get older, they'll return back to it. Take a look at this video. Parenting is tough. And most of the time, you'd probably rather not talk about it. But we want you to know something. It's okay. We can talk. On the day your child was born, if you searched frantically around the hospital for any type of brochure that talked about how to raise your child, we can talk. Right, babies should come with an owner's manual. Right, there's the whole what to expect when you're expecting. How about what to expect when you bring the child home because you are so scared you're gonna mess it all up and this is your bundle of joy and you just wanna do everything right type book, book. They'd have to shorten the title. True. But speaking of bringing your kids home from the hospital, if on that day you wished you were in an armored tank rather than your Ford Fiesta, we can talk. If you ever looked at your child and asked this question, do I look stupid to you? We can talk. And if your child has ever innocently looked back at you and said, yes, you do, we can talk. I said that to my mom once. You called your mom stupid? Once. Oh, how about this? If you've ever hummed the theme song, The Door of the Explorer, while at work, we can talk. It's just so catchy. I know, right? Oh, if you've ever said these words, don't make me turn this car around, we can talk. And if you've ever had to turn the car around because you've left your children at home, we can talk. You forgot your children? I'm not proud of it. Dads, if you've ever fallen asleep while playing Barbies, dress up, or at a tea party, we can talk. If you start to see your mommy and daddy time has become less and less, we can talk. Yeah, and if that's not the case, please tell me your secret. If you've ever almost driven off the road because you're swatting at the back seat, we can talk. And if you've ever actually driven off the road while you're swatting at the back seat, we can talk. You've driven off the road? <sighs> that was a hard one to explain to my insurance agent and my wife. If you've ever promised your kids the moon and you just couldn't deliver, we can talk. 
If you feel like it's too late and you've already blown it, we can talk. If you didn't have a great example of parenting from your own parents and you're struggling to change your family tree, we can talk. If you desperately want to teach your children the Word of God, but you're afraid they're going to ask you why you're not living it, we, we can, can talk. talk. And last but not least, if the word down has become an abnormally large part of your daily vocabulary, sit down, quiet down, calm down, just, just, just dial it down, get, get, get down. We can talk. Because the truth is, parenting is tough and we need all the help we can get. As parents, it's our job to build a foundation for our children and we need all the wisdom that's out there. So sit back and relax, know that you are in good company as we see how God wants us to raise our children in the direction they need to go. Yeah, so let me just remind you guys again that we are for sure not saying that we know much of anything about parenting, but what we're going to share today is scripture and things that we've watched. Maybe some, we, we watch some of you with older kids more than you think. We're, we're observers. Sometimes we go to restaurants. And we don't even talk to each other because if we're sitting like this, he's, he's watching the family behind. I'm like, what do you think? What do you think is going on with that one? <laughs> but we watch people and we, we see, and being in youth ministry, we've seen kids who we say, man, I want my daughter to grow up to be like her. I want my son, I want them to be my son's small group leader. And those are the parents that we watch closely to see what are they teaching their kids? How are they teaching their kids? What, what is it that's making it stick with their kids? This isn't in the notes. Surprise, right? But if you're in here saying you're parenting, I want you to know this, and you feel like you're failing, you're doing better than you think you're doing. Yeah. <clears throat> you're doing better than you think you're doing. I mean, I, it's not making sense. They don't, I'm, talking to different, I'm talking to them in English, but they're understanding in a different language. Or maybe you're like, my kids aren't with the Lord right now, or they're far away from God, or wherever you're at in here today, you're doing, a, you're doing a lot better than you think you're doing. And we also want you to know that, say, that it takes a village to raise a child. And it's an African Proverbs. I think Hillary Clinton gets a lot of credit for that because I hear her name's always attached to it. But it's an African Proverbs that it takes a village. It takes all of us to, to raise a child. My kids love coming on Saturday nights to set up because they get to see all these people. And you guys love my kids and hang out with my kids. And, and my kid loves, loved when he was in the red room with Miss Maggie. And now he's in a different room terrorizing that room. And, but they love you guys. And so um, it takes a village. And we also want you to know this. These, we're going to give you three points today. And you might be sitting here thinking today, I don't have kids, I don't want kids, and this isn't relevant to me. Every single one of these points today can be applied to your life, whether you have kids or you don't have kids, because they're all from the Bible. We want to look at, say, from the master parent, which is Jesus, and we want to apply some of the principles that he's taught us to live our lives out and or parent with. Yeah, so where you hear us say the word parent, just put in whether you're a sister or a friend or an aunt or an uncle or a grandparent. All of these points can be applied to whatever you are in somebody's life. So we're just going to pray. I'm going to pray before we get into our, um, if you'll notice, I, I have a, today, last night we were working on everything here this week. He's like, I've never had this many notes on a message before. There's four pages <laughs> so up here. I've I'm made like, a, we're wasting I, so a lot of paper. You guys are going to be like, we have actually points this week. Yes, you're welcome. So if you want to write them down, <laughs> if you want to write them down, you can write them down. You helped me. We I don't helped even, each other. Teamwork. You helped me. Teamwork I didn't help you. you dream work. Let's yeah, pray. whatever. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much. <clears throat> As I see my parents here this morning, God, I thank you so much for my parents and for the family that you have allowed me to be a part of for 35 years. I pray that I could be the mom to Hope and Trip and Judah and Selah that my mom has been to me and that the things I learned from my dad, I can show them and that God, I thank you for blessing me with Wesley and that for the dad that he is. God, I pray that you would just help us to, to grow our kids 
to love you. God, I pray that you would be with us as a church and be with this message, God, that we would each take these points and apply them to our lives, that we would be the parent, that we would be the friend, that we would be the person that you have called us to be. I just pray that you would bless this time, that our words would be your words today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Cool. That was a good job praying right after you slammed me. That was awesome. <laughs> hey, number one, be a godly parent. Be a godly parent. Um, here's the deal with me, and you guys have been in our church for a while, you're, or if you're new today, we want all of us in here today to be Jesus followers. We want us to be godly people, godly parents, godly mothers, brothers, sisters, whatever you are. We want you to be godly. The Bible says, be holy because I'm holy. Jesus wants us to be like him. We're supposed to be this blessed homes here. We're called to be like Jesus. And so wherever we go, we want to be like Jesus there. Here's a kicker. If you're like Jesus all the time, you don't have to change the way you parent. You don't have to change the way you are when you go, when you go to work. You don't have to change the way that you are in your marriage. You don't have to change the way that you are with your kids. You don't have to change. You just be a godly person wherever you go when you're around your kids. You're a godly, kid, you're a godly parent or wherever you're at. If you're at work, you're a godly coworker. You're a godly neighbor. Some of you guys are like, I wish my neighbor was godly. Uh, that would help me. You know, I, I, I want to scream at them for leaving the trash all the time, and you might be neighbors with me. Um, but God wants us to be a godly parent. He wants us to be that. Here's a, here's a couple things to help you be a godly parent. Number one, make church a non-negotiable. Make church a non-negotiable. How many of you guys have been in church for a long time, and you're used to going to church at least three nights a week? You're, that's old school church. Yeah, a lot of you guys here. Some of you guys are like, we came to Hope Church because you guys only have one service a week. Make church a non-negotiable. Here's some statistics for you. We stole these from Diana's dad, his notes that he preaches on parenting. If both parents worship with you regularly while you were growing up, there's an 80% likelihood that you'll worship with God regularly as a church. 80%. Those are good numbers. We know statistics are always shifty, but 80% is pretty good. If you're here today and you're worshiping with both of your parents, you have an 80% likelihood that your kids will be worshiping in church when they get older. If only your mother worshiped regularly with you, there's only a 30% probability that you'll worship regularly as an adult. If only your father worshiped regularly with you, the likelihood that you'll worship regularly as an adult increases to 70%. Many here today, it matters that you bring your kids to church. It matters that you're here today. Mom, in here today, if you're being the mommy and the dad, you're crushing it. And you're here and you keep on bringing your kid to church, but we gotta make church a non-negotiable. Here's the second thing underneath this, be a godly parent. You got to pray with and pray for your child. You got to pray with and pray for your child. I heard John Maxwell say this, we got to raise our kids in a greenhouse of prayer. Raise our kids in a greenhouse. You got to pray for them. Um, when you, when you want to, when you want to go in, in, in their room and you want to tell them to, to be quiet or to, to stop or whatever, man, you might want to pray before you walk in there. And when you get in there, pray over them. If you want to spank your kid, you might want to lay your hand and say, God, help me not to kill him. Like, you want to pray for your kid and pray with them. Hey, let's pray. Our kids like to pray. Our daughter's two now. She's at the point now where we're saying, who wants to pray? And she's like, I'll pray. And she goes, yes, 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 Amen. And she's like, ah. And I don't know if it's everybody or if it's just pastor's kids, but none of my kids close their eyes when we pray. I don't know what the deal is with that. They're like, why are we praying again? Can't they don't want anyone to steal their stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you ought to pray. With your kids, Lamentations 2.19 says, Rise up during the night and cry out. Pour out your hearts with water to the Lord. Lift up your hands to him in prayer, pleading for your children. For in every street, there are, they, they are faint with hunger. We ought to be praying for our kids. You ought to pray for the kids that you know. You ought to pray for the people that are around you. We ought to be praying. This ought to be a church that offers prayer. So you're going to be a godly parent. You've got to make church non-negotiable. And you have to pray with and for 
your child. And then lastly, under be a godly parent is um, to do devotions with your kids. And this is special to me because growing up my whole life, we did devotions as a family. And it wasn't like a long, drawn-out process. We actually used this book right here. It's called Little Visits with God. And it, and it would, every morning for, my dad usually got us up for breakfast early. We would all go in in our pajamas, and we're literally at the table like this. And he's, he's reading the devotion. By the time we would get through, it's literally like a two-minute devotion. So he's killing like five birds with one stone. Four kids are eating. He's packing the lunches. We're doing devotions. And we do prayer time together, and we take prayer requests. And, and it was just a thing we did Monday through Friday. It wasn't, it wasn't an option. We didn't start devotions till all four kids were at the table. And that's something that, that I'll forever remember. And, and I, when I had kids, I said, Mom, i got to find the book, and they've revised the book, praise the Lord, because ours was like falling apart. There was no binding. But this is something easy, and I'm going to be completely honest with you. I don't do it as good as my parents did. And I, and a couple times a year, I'm like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to get them all up at the same time. We're going to get them at the table. We're going to, you know, and then it didn't happen again. But for us, it was in the morning. For my family, we did it in the morning. For my kids, it's better for us at nighttime, because all they're not all getting up at the same time, and we're usually a little rushed in the morning. Shocker. Um, but so for us, it's better to just go sit on Hope's bed. And the twins, I don't expect them to do them yet because they're more of a, a distraction. But me, Hope, and Trip will we'll read this. Or in our Hope Kids every week, we send home devotions for our kids. And they're by grade. We have a K in first grade paper, a second and third grade, and a fourth and fifth grade paper. So these go home every week if you have a kid in kindergarten through fifth grade. These are simple things, easy things to do with your kids. Um, but it's, it should be something that, that you do with them. And I'll tell you this also. If, you, if they see you doing your own devotions or you make it a point, say, hey, mom's going to go in the room for, for 15 or 20 minutes and I'm, I'm going to be reading my Bible. So just give me 15 minutes when the timer goes off. But for them to know that that's important to you, it'll be amazing to see how it becomes important to them over the years. So I think devotions um, is a huge thing. Encourage them to do it. Do it with them. Let them watch you do it, um, but but make it a make it something that that is important. If your kid has a, a phone, uh, an eye touch or eye something or eye whatever, there's a there's a U version Bible app for kids. It's for the adults, but it's also for kids. Your kid ought to have that. You want to put tools in your kids that help them do these these devotions and spend time with God's word. Yeah, on that, our, our preschool, we use a curriculum that goes with the Bible app for kids. So they're watching a story in there. Your, your three, fours, and five-year-olds that are in preschool, they're watching a story in there that they can go home and you can download it on the Bible app for kids and, and they can be doing that all week and it's asking them questions. And you, it, listen, if anything, it'll keep them busy while you're at the restaurant, okay? Download the Bible app for kids and they get to review their lesson from Sunday. But I think that, that that's a very cool resource we get to have to use to have that curriculum that they can use at home throughout the week for preschoolers. Um, so, yeah, side note on that. Yeah, and you can encourage your kids to do the devotions, but if you do it with them, it's a whole nother level. Um, the other day, I went to go get Hope. Hope is our early riser. She wakes up before Dine and I. Um, we're she great. She wakes us up. <laughs> she wakes us up. She's like, why aren't you guys up yet? I'm like, because we're trying to sleep, you know? We don't want to get up. The other day, she came and said, uh, I, went to go get, I went to go see if she was up. It was quiet. And I walked in her room, and she's on her bed. She has, her, she has this um, devotion out that we give them out in Hope Kids, and she's doing her own devotions because she's seen it done before and because we've done it with her before, and now she's doing it on her own. And so and we're not here today. We're not the trophy parents, but here's the deal. We don't give our kids devotions. I don't know what we would do if the church didn't give them out. I'm sure we could find something. We could use you version. But I'm glad that our church, I'm glad this church gives, gives devotions out to our kids, and uh, this is another good book we gave us to um, to James and um, and the 
What's that? Yeah, James and Becky. And our, our beta occasion we get this. But this is the Jesus Storybook Bible. It's a great book um, if you're an adult. Uh, this is a great book. This is a great devotional. And um, it'll be an encouragement to you. Um, but Hope's in there doing her devotions now. Not because, like, hey, you better do your devotions tomorrow morning at 6.30 a.m. She gets up early and she's doing her own devotion because it's finally she's caught it. She's caught it. They'll catch sometimes what you teach. Here's the second thing. Not only should you be a godly parent, but you also should be a respected parent, a respected parent. Or you should be a respectable person. A husband's in here today. If you're married in here today or if you're a person in general, if you want respect, you got to give respect. I always tell husbands all the time when I do marriage counseling, if you want, if you want your wife to respect you, then be respectable. And you can, there's a way to be respectable. Um, I wrote down a couple things that I think are important for us to be respected. What we do in moderation, parents, they'll do in excess. Just nod your head if you agree with me. What we do in moderation, they'll do in excess. I also wrote down this. They don't believe in do as I say, not as I do. Do as I say, not as, not, do as I say, not as I do. And that's, it's, it's hypocritical. It's, I'm going to tell you what to do, but I'm not going to live it out. Today I was in the truck with church, on the, on the truck, going to get donuts with Trip. And I said, Trip, put your seatbelt on. The first thing out of his mouth this morning was, your seatbelt's not on. So I reached over and punched him. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it crossed my mind. I stopped and said, dear Jesus, I want to punch my kid, but I don't, but help me not to. No, I didn't do that either. I just said, you're right. You're right. But I don't want you to die. Put your seatbelt on. And what did I have to do? Reach over and put my seatbelt on. I, um, we, we were youth pastors for 10 years, and we would tell kids not to drink until they're 21. They can make that decision at 21. There's a law. Uh, we don't think you should do anything that's going to break the law. So we would tell kids, hey, you shouldn't drink until you're of age. There's a law for that. You're more mature at that age. But I, I'd have parents that I would talk to these kids at, and kids are like, what if I'm at home and my parents say it's okay to drink? Well, it's, that's great, but what they do around you, it's going to be hard for them to control when they're around it's other not people. Great. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You, in your mind, you think, oh, it's great because they're with me. That's what I meant to say. Thanks. When you're with them, you're like, oh, this is great because I, I can monitor this and that's great. But what happens when they leave? They're, what they do in moderation, they're going to do in excess. Hey, I don't want you to do this unless you're at our house. Well, they're going to eventually leave your house. And what are they going to do when they get outside of your house? And it teaches them to break the law. And you don't want your kids to break the law. Um, that's just a, a base thing. Or I would, I, would, I would say to kids, hey, sex is awesome when you get married. And I grew up in a church culture like sex is bad, sex is bad, sex is bad. And I'm like, now that I'm married, I'm like, man, that was, they lied about that, you know. But here's what I realized. That's just factual. Sex is, is awesome inside the context of marriage. It's designed, God designed it for marriage. And so it's great. And so I would have kids in, in Jacksonville, I would say, hey, man, our, you know, we do these, these whole month long. We talk about how to live pure lives. And, 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 I would, and they would say, yeah, my, my, I said, what do your parents believe about that? I'd ask them. And say, oh, yeah, my parents believe in purity, or my parents believe in whatever. They would say, they, they get, my parents give me condoms because they want me to be safe. Well, safe is not pure. Safe is not, it's not pure. God wants us to live these pure lives, these godly lives. And so, so you're like, oh, man, I, I'll, I'll help them be safe. Well, God didn't call us to be safe. He called us to be godly and to be respected. So your kids, they want you. They, they're okay. Your parents are written on this. It's okay to have high expectations for your kids. Here's the deal. If you give your kids high expectations and they miss, then they miss high. If you give your kids low expectations, they're going to miss low. What would you rather have, a kid that misses low or a kid that misses high? Don't say low. You, you, you want your kid to, to, to miss the, the, the bar. My mother always says, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. If you don't, we want your kid to be pure and to be godly. And so that's the goal, not to be a little bit better than the person next to them, to be a little bit better than such and such kids. 
I sat down at a restaurant with a guy the other day, and the guy says, I find myself a lot of times comparing myself to people. I'm like, don't compare yourself to people, because you can look real good to some people, but some other people, you can be, it can be very discouraging. So it's okay to have high expectations for your kids. They're actually okay if you have high expectations for them. Yeah, I think that one's so hard, because culture today is, is crazy. I was talking to my mom this week about you know, the election. I won't talk much about it. but That's it. You, was, said, you said as far we're allowed, <laughs> as we're allowed to say. We were talking about how, you know, the future of our kids is at stake. And, and every, no matter what, no, no matter who gets voted in in every different area of politics, they're making decisions for what my kids are going to do down the road. And, and some of them are decisions that will last my whole kid's lifetime. But our culture today is so... Um, opposite of, of what I was taught growing up. If I were to tell, even even cell phones, cell phones, I think I got my cell phone when I was 16 or 17, and it was big and huge. My daughter the other day is asking like me. Like this? carry like this? Uh-huh, yeah. Was my CrossFit workout for oh, the day. Oh, yeah. You, got, you worked CrossFit <laughs> into the message. That's pretty good. Um, anyways, it's she was cult. asking me when she was going to get her cell phone, and she's like, now, can I get it when I'm 13? And I'm like, no, you don't, why do you need it? Well, mom, every other kid is going to have one. I'm like, well, sorry, you're not going to. Well, then they're going to bully me. I'm like, they're going to bully you? I mean, I'm like, what is going on with our world today? But because my daughter doesn't have a cell phone by a certain age, she feels like she's so going against the grain. And I think it's the same with purity and, and, and drinking and, and things of that nature. It's so normal. You know, I, I talk to, even talk to teenagers today, and it's like, it's, that's like their conversation all the time, and it used to not be that way. So it's okay as a parent. My goal, I know my daughter's only nine, but I plan on, and I would ask you to hold me to it, to, to tell her I'm never going to give her an option of saving herself to her marriage. She's going to have to make her own decision, but that's something I'm always going to tell her and show her in the Bible where it says what's, what's right. So, um, so yeah, so it's okay to have high expectations. The next thing we wrote under be a respected parent is that your kids need you to be their parent, not their best friend. And I know that's hard for some people who like to be liked all the time. But <laughs> but you have to be their parent. You can't, you know, and sometimes I'll admit even, even myself, I like to make my kids happy. But there's sometimes where I have to, you have to say no and you have to, you have to be their parent and not their best friend. There's going to come a day when you can be their best friend. I would say that my mom is my best friend now, but there was a time where my mom wouldn't tell me the stuff she tells me now, but we can talk like we're best friends now. But it hasn't always been that way. And even my dad, the way that, that we can talk now, I, ta- I, I said this about you guys before you were here earlier, but that you guys were very consistent growing up and discipline and, and, and how things were in the church. But my dad would talk about, he could, my dad, I, one of the things that was preached to me more than anything taught to me, not so much preached, but my dad believes so strongly against gossiping and talking about other people. So even if I were to try to talk to someone, he would say, Diana, that, have you talked to them? You know, you're not, you're not doing what's right. And he, and that would be something that, that was him being my parent and not trying to sit down. You know, I think some moms want to be like, yeah, baby, let's talk about that mean girl in your class. Well, you're not her best friend to talk about that kind of stuff with. You need to tell her what's right and wrong. Um, it's not your job to be cool. It's not your job to make them like you're you. You're not cool. You won't be cool. Just well, so don't try to be cool. Speak for yourself. Speak for yourself. It's your <laughs> I was job. Talking about, I was talking about you. <laughs> it's your job. Like it says in Proverbs, it is your job to direct or train them in what is right. And that doesn't mean it's always popular. So be their parent and not their best friend until they're later down the road and then be best friends. But right now, 
They just need you to be their mom and their dad. Yeah, you'll, you won't wake up one day and, and your kids will say, man, you know, I really wish my parents would have spoiled me more and been more of my friend. You're gonna, they're going to come to you one day as, a, as, an, as, a, as, an, as an adult. I go to my parents now and say, man, I'm, I find myself saying the thing, same things they say that I thought were so stupid back then. But now I'm seeing them to my kids. And so you'll actually, your kids will never come to you and say, you know, I really wish you'd have been less strict on me. They're going to come to you one day and they're going to say, man, thanks for being strict on me. Thanks for being my parent. Thanks for loving me, but being my parent as well. Um, you got to discipline your kids. And um, my mother-in-law hates it when I say spank your kid in church. And, and it's, it's a little bit hypocritical because I know they had to spank their own kids. But she liked me they to spank. Did. They, they don't for like, sure did. Yeah, they spanked you. They don't like you to spank your grandkids, but they spanked their own kids. And so I'm trying to figure all that out. And so here's it. you got to discipline your kids. I, um, yesterday I was at a lunch with a couple, and they have a little baby. And another couple, they're about to have a baby. And they said, what do you, what do you believe about spanking your kids um, in, in public? And I was like, you have to discipline them. They said, do you, they said, do you believe in timeout? I said, no, I believe in knockout. Um, you <clears throat> you got to punish them. You have to punish your kids. They're not going to, they're going to appreciate it later. It's going to, it's going to, it's going to be tough for you now. And by the way, don't say to them, this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you because it's not. That is a lie from the pit of hell. It's going to hurt them worse. You're, you want to find out, let me spank you and then you can say it. You know, like it is, it's not, I, someone said to me, do you ever, do you spank your kid with the belt? With the belt? I said, I never spank my kid with the belt, but my dad did, you know, whatever he can get his hands on, like I, it was just coming my way, you know? And so, um, but you have to discipline, you have to discipline your kids. The Bible says this in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24, those who spare the rod of discipline hate their kids. <laughs> if you don't punish your kids, it says you hate your, it says you hate your kids in New Living Translation. Those who love their kids enough, but those who love their children care enough to discipline them. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 15 says this, a youngster's heart is filled with foolishness, but physical discipline will drive it far away. The discipline, sorry, to discipline a child produces wisdom, but a mother is disgraced by an undisciplined child. Moms, have you ever been in the store and your kid's the one on the, on the ground screaming? Or maybe you're not that mom, but you're, you've seen another mom. I've for sure been the mom. You guys should see me getting out of Chick-fil-A sometimes by myself with two kids. I'm like, just come on as fast as you can to throw them in the car. But man, I, I, would, I would agree with that verse that a mother is disgraced by undisciplined children because it is embarrassing. It's embarrassing when your kids act out in front of other people. And for some reason, my kids, when other people come around, they're like, turn on the, their level up all the way. I'm like, what are you doing? You don't do this, you know? Not they're, they're bad, but they get like all kind of crazy when people come over. Um, but man, you have to discipline your children. I'm going to read you guys this thing. It's called The Meanest Parents in the World. We had the meanest parents in the whole world. While other kids ate candy for breakfast, we had to have cereal, eggs, and toast. When others had a Pepsi and a Twinkie for lunch, we had to eat sandwiches. And you can guess our parents fixed us a dinner that was different than other kids had too. Our parents insisted on knowing where we were at all times. You'd think we were convicts in a prison. They had to know who our friends were and what we were doing with them. They insisted that if we said we would be gone for an hour, we would be gone for an hour or less. We were ashamed to admit it, but they had the nerve to break child labor laws by making us work. We had to wash the dishes, make the beds, learn to cook, vacuum the floor, do laundry, and all sorts of cruel jobs. I think they would lay awake at night thinking of more things for us to do. They always insisted on us telling the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. By the time we were teenagers, they could read our minds, and life was really tough. They wouldn't let our friends just honk the horn when they drove up. They had to come to the door so they could meet them. While everyone else would, could date when they were 12 or 13, we had to be 18. Because of our parents, we missed out on a lot of things other kids experienced. 
None of us have ever been caught shoplifting, vandalizing others' property, or ever arrested for any crime. It was all their fault. We never got drunk, took up smoking, stayed out all night, or a million things other kids did. Sundays were reserved for church, and we never missed once. We knew better than to ask to spend the night with somebody on a Saturday night. Now that we have left home, we are all God-fearing, educated, honest adults. We are doing our best to be mean parents, just like our parents were. The world just doesn't have enough mean parents anymore. A couple things in there. How many of you guys are mean parents? You're like, yep. <laughs> Coral's like, pew! <clears throat> yes, I love it. I pride myself. Um, if you're going to be respected, you're going to have to tell your kids the truth. You're going to have to stand up for what's right. A couple things that we wrote down here. You have to know where your kids are going to be at. And if you can't do that, make sure your place is the place all the kids want to come to. Yeah. Have that place. I've heard Dinah's dad say that a thousand times. Everyone came to our house. Everyone came to our house. Have your kids. My parents didn't let me go four houses down. That was so lame. You know, how, how many 16-year-old kids can't go four houses down, you know? They could, I couldn't go the street over, you know? I, we couldn't do that. So know where your kids are at. If you can't know where they're at, have your house be the place where everyone hangs out. Number two, teach your kids to work. Proverbs says if, you're, if your kids don't work, they don't get to eat. Teach your kids to work. It's okay for your kid to get a job. It's okay to, for your kids to take out trash. It's okay for your kids to do chores. Have them do some chores. Um, they'll, they'll appreciate it later. They're, my friends will tell me she's an admin uh, admissions director for UCF, and she says there's, a, there's all the laws now are changing because what are, what's happened is because these kids, are, these kids are getting bad grades on their test, and the parents are emailing the teacher saying, my kid got a bad grade. And what the parent really is saying is, I helped my kid do that paper, and I deserve a better grade. And so make your kid work. Make your kid try hard. Uh, teach them to work. And then number three, know their friends. Know their friends. You, your friends, you ought to know your kid's friends. Um, they're not going to be your friends, but you ought to know your kid's friends so you know who they're hanging out. And you, can, you guys are adults now. You can hang out. If you hang out with your kid's friends, you'll know what those kids are all about. And you can decide whether or not you can let them keep running with those kids down the road, or you can at least be prepared if something does happen, you, you know. And I just think those are some things that are, are important in there. I think growing up at almost every youth rally or one, I think the whole youth rally was titled, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. <laughs> but I think it's so true, whether you think that's a corny statement or not, who you hang around with, maybe, maybe you're a person who just likes to help people. I'm just trying to help them be better. But if that's all you're around all the time and that's all you let your kids be around all the time, they're going to change. So, so watch, watch and know who your friends are. Yeah, and you're, are. The average, you know, you're the average of your five closest friends. So if all, your, if all of your kids' friends don't have a curfew, there's a reason. You know, you're, you, you want to give one. I do this thing, too. I, I wrote this sermon one time when I was a youth pastor called Just Say No. Just Say No. If all of your friends are, if all your kids' friends are doing it, that's a good reason for your kid not to. Because the Bible tells us to be opposite of culture, not to go with the flow, but the actually, our, our kids should actually be, be the flow. Uh, I'm going to say this just popped to my head, but... Um, Anida is new to our church. She's only come for a little bit. She lives in my neighborhood. She sees the Hope Church truck in my neighborhood. She comes to church, and she, and, and she comes to church. She's come. I met her son. I met your son a few weeks ago. He came to community group with, her, with, with, with his mom to our house. The other day, Maggie's, Maggie um, and her daughter watched our kids on Friday night, and Diane was saying, hey, there's this kid at, our, at, at Okoe. You ought to meet him. His name is Eli. And she said, I know him. Everyone knows that kid. And Diane goes, what? She goes, well, that kid, was in, he was in eighth grade. He spoke at FCA. And he, when he spoke at FCA, every, it moved everybody in, in, the, in the room. And I, I venture to guess, I, I, just a little bit of time, I, I, I was talking to Eli, and they were at our house. She knows where her son's at. I, I, I picked up on that. She said, she's, I can tell she's that mom. She's all up in the business. 
that's a safe thing to be. You want to know what your kid's doing so you know what he's doing or she's doing. Hey, this is important. I had to do this yesterday. When you're wrong, apologize. When you're wrong, apologize. If you did something wrong, tell your kids. The, you, I wrote down this in the in notes. In the, use the words, I am sorry, I was wrong. If you teach your kids to be apologetic and to, to say sorry, what happens? They'll be adults that will be respected because respectful people can say, hey, I was wrong. I offended you. I did something wrong. And so I did it yesterday with Hope. I, was acute. I thought it was her voice saying, yelling at the kids. I said, Hope, why'd you do that? I didn't. Why'd you do that? I didn't. And she goes, Dad, I don't know why you're blaming me. You know, and I'm at the place where it's, everything's emotional now. I don't know why you're blaming me. I said, because I thought it was you. And Tripp's like, it was me. <laughs> I said, Hope, I'm sorry. Here's the third thing. Be a parent who loves. Be a parent who loves. Or be a person who loves. We ought to, our church, all across all of our stuff, says love all people at all times and all places. We have to love extravagantly. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says love is patient, it's kind. Love's not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable and it keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about being, about being injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. It never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstances. Last week we gave you guys the five love languages. And today we believe this, that your kid needs all five love languages. Um, they will one day be a more dominant in the other one, in, in one or two, but they'll be learning now what each of them mean. It's our job to nourish them in each gift and not only our love language. And so we will walk through the five love languages somewhat briefly, and um, I think this will be helpful to you guys. Yeah, and as I was reading First Corinthians about love, man, that can be applied, that can... That is such a good filter for, for life, man. As, I'm, as I look at it as a parent, love is patient and kind. Man, I can tell you right now that I have to have patience at every stage of life so far. Um, I'm, I haven't started potty training yet, but I know I'm past due. And people who have one kid and tell me it's easy, I'm like, well, once you've had twins and you've trained twins, then come tell me how to do it. Because I don't you're know doing, how to do hey, it. You're doing better than you think you're doing. I don't know how to do it. You're doing great. But potty training's coming. And I'm going to have to remind myself that, man, I love my kids. And I'm patient, and I'm going to clean up those 20 accidents today. But love is patient and kind. No matter what stage your kids are in, you have to have patience and kindness because that's showing love to them. And, man, is not jealous or boastful. My kids, my, my 10- and 5-year-old, they're at an age where, you know, well, why did Hope get to spend the night at Grandma's? And why did da 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 da, da? And I'm trying to teach them instead of being, I hate the word jealous. And when they say jealous, I'm like, man, we're, we, we don't be jealous of each other. Let's be happy that Hope got to do that. And Hope... Trip, you know, trip got to go on a field trip, and you didn't. Let's let's be happy for each other. So I, I try to teach them that man, love is not jealousy, and when they're jealous, they're not loving each other, and it, it doesn't demand its own way. It's it's so not selfish. It's not about you, and then in the last one, it never gives up. It never loses faith. It's always hopeful. So no matter where you are in your stage with parenting, maybe you're like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. How I'm going to turn this around, man. You love your kids, so never give up. Never lose faith. The five love languages, I want to look at acts of service. That one is doing something kind for your kids. Um, my kids, I think helping them with homework. Hope, hope, is, hope is my kid who's going to need help with homework. I don't think Tripp's going to need as much, but she, she I don't know if it's just he that takes she, after me. she wants my attention. <laughs> but, man, do acts of service for your kids. Maybe your kid is in a busy season of sports right now. Just, just clean their room for them one day, just because that's a way to show them that you love them, doing something nice for them. Number two which happens to be my favorite one, gifts. 
Your gifts, you're, it's, it's good to give gifts. The Bible says that God loves to give gifts to his children. You ought to give your kid gifts. Yes, they should work for some of them, but we ought to give our kids gifts. Um, I, we like to give our kids stuff. We, 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 just, we just do. That's, no, we like to, I like to give them. I like to, they like Slurpees. They want a Slurpee every single day after school. Yes, that's how I need to be a better mom. Yeah, and I say no all the time. I'm like, no, no, no. On Friday mornings, they, they want Dunkin' Donuts every single day also. They want, they want some munchkins. On, but we said, hey, no, it's going to be on Friday's the day for that. We have to teach them moderation as, as well, or they'll grow up to be uh, a guy who likes shoes and jeans all the time. But you got to be a place where you teach them the, the, how, to have, how to be moderation in those gifts. But I also say this. I was telling Lathan the other day, my brother, he spent night with us. The best Christmas that we've ever had, ever Christmas that I, that I remember for us as a family, it was when we just had hope, and we went and picked up uh, 50 sausage biscuits from McDonald's in a cooler, and we got a case of water, and me and Diana and Lathan and Hope, Hope was probably three or four, we walked around Lake Eola, downtown Orlando, and we gave out, sausage bis- gave out 50 sausage biscuits. When that was over, we went on visitation in a hospital, and we went and saw a man who was dying of cancer, and we went and saw a little girl who just had brain surgery. I'll never forget that. Thanksgiving this year, we, you know, we want to give our kids, but we want to teach our kids also to give gifts as well. And so Thanksgiving, we'll spend a portion of that time with some of you guys in here today giving, serving Thanksgiving, giving a gift of food to people that are homeless. That's gifts. Yeah, next is quality time. Um, my husband likes to say that quantity time produces quality time. The more you're around your kids, the more quality time you're going to have. And I can tell you that with four kids, it is hard to have quality time with, with each kid at certain times. And I would think sometimes... Um, quality time can be with everybody together. Our kids, uh, there's been a couple Sunday afternoons where we're all, we're the four older of us, the twins, we put them in bed and lock them away as quick as we can. But when the rest of us um, get home and we're all in the living room together just doing nothing, which I'm going to admit it's hard for us to just be still and do nothing because there's a lot going on. But we're all sitting there watching a show or a recorded Christmas movie and Trip will say, oh, we're just having family time. This is just family time. And then I look at Wes, and I'm like, let's get off our phones. Because family time is not being on your phone the whole time. But it's the small things. Saturday morning, the twins now crawl out of their crib. So they get out. They come out the door. They say, I- I'll bed. So Saturday morning, this last Saturday, yesterday morning, they were all in our bed. And Tripp said, can we just have family time? And that's just us all just being on the bed together. It's so simple. It's so the smaller your kids are, obviously, the easier it is to please them. I think the older they get, the more spoiled they get, you bad old kids. No, I'm just kidding. But quality time, you have to be intentional about it. My dad would let me skip school some mornings and would take me to breakfast and would be intentional. I remember there used to be a place downtown. I'm going to cry. <laughs> called the Peep, but I love those times with my dad. We got to do it more even now because the older you get, I still need quality time with my dad. That's my love language in case you can't tell. But quality time is important. So carve it out with your kids. I saw an illustration of a guy who said um, every two weeks he would put his calendar at the table with his family. And wherever there was empty spots, he would let them each pick a spot to be in because he wanted to show them that you are more important than my business associates and my, my appointments, and you can have a spot on my appointment book. My dad's been a pastor my whole life growing up, and he said, I don't care who's in my office. If you want to come in, you can come in the office. 
He made that something that was important for us. So quality time, be intentional about it, schedule it. Because if you don't schedule it, it's not going to happen. If you say, okay, yeah, yeah, we'll go, we'll go. But you have to schedule it and make it happen. And sometimes it's all together. But if you have more than one kid, do individual quality time with each of them. Physical touch is one of the love languages. <clears throat> and I, we wrote on this, you have to teach your kids the right kind of touch. You got to teach your kids the right kind of touch, especially in the day and age that we live in today. And um, is that contagious? It's crying. Is that crying? It's contagious. <laughs> Where's Fraley at, Brooke? I'm crying. Hope doesn't like physical touch. I told Annie, Hope doesn't like that. She's like, yes, yeah, she does. But she's at the age now where she's always pulling away from me. Always pulling away from me. She's eight, nine. I'm like, can you stop pulling away from me? But I want my daughter to want to be touched by me. I want to be able to hug my daughter. And she'll get on the couch every once in a while when I can tell when she doesn't, it's not being met, her tank, her physical touch tank doesn't be feeling. She'll come to me and she'll just hug me. Yesterday she came, on, I was talking about the sermon thing. She got on my feet. I remember doing this with my, with my dad, but she stood on my toes and I danced with her. And I and did it around and it's getting harder, you know. She, she gets older and I, I picked her up the other day when Maggie was watching them, I, I took him to I took her to her bed. I pick her up. I'm like, when does this end? Because this is getting harder and harder. And um, and Hope's like, so yesterday she says, I want you to stop taking me to bed when I'm 12 or 13. I'm like, dang, I better stay in CrossFit. You know what I'm saying? And so I'm like, she wants that. But, man, you have to teach your kids. You have to teach your kids what, what the proper physical touch looks like because if, if they don't, I, wrote, I got this down from Diana's dad's notes. Affection, affectionate attention can't be beat, but it can be replaced but it can be replaced. I think we're growing up with a society of kids that they don't know what f proper physical touch is like. They don't appreciate it because they never received it. I meet men, they said, oh, my dad never kissed, my dad, my dad, never, my dad never kissed me my whole entire life. My dad never hugged me or told me he loved me. I, I, met, I meet men that say that to me. And it seems weird, but it's just, it's our job, uh, men and ladies, to give our kids the adequate physical touch because they need it. They need it and they, and they, and they do want it. And the last one is words of affirmation. Tell your kids that they do a good job. Make a big deal out of the small things. Hope the other night did the dishes by herself. I, I think it was my last night of ladies' Bible study, and he had all four kids. And I came home, and she said, did you see the dishes? I'm like, no. She's like, I did them all by myself. And I'm probably a little bit more on the rude, perfectionist side. And yeah, I'm you like, are. So I'm like, you. be kind, be kind, be kind. So I'm like, thanks, baby. That's so sweet. So the next day I'm looking, and the pot still has crusted macaroni and cheese in there. And, you know, the fork still has food on it. But I'm not going to go to her and say, Hope, why, why don't you get the macaroni and cheese? Come on. I, that was my chance to suck it up and rewash them when she wasn't watching me and say, baby, that, you did awesome. Thank you so much for doing those dishes and just affirm her. But when they're doing a good job, man, tell them they're doing a good job. Have you ever seen a kid who just wants to be told that they're doing a good job? Man, some kids are just like, did you see that? Did you see that? And, you know, my kids will say, Mommy, look, look, look. When they say that, get off your phone and, and look. And give them words of affirmation and tell them that they're doing a good job. And the only way you can, can look is to be present and to be there in their life. Yeah, we're going to end right there. And um, here's what I, the last thing I would want to say to you today as, as your friend. Um, I, Genesis chapter 22, and the band's going to come up and we're going to be done. In Genesis chapter 22, Jesus, uh, not Jesus, Abraham takes his son. And God tells him... <clears throat> Take your son, tie him up, prepare a burnt offering, take him to this point, and I want you to sacrifice your son. Terrible, right? You're, like, That's, you're gonna end that way, Wes? <laughs> yeah. He goes, I want you to sacrifice your son. Tie him up, 
light it on fire. When he got up there, he carried him up there. He got up to the very end. And then to the left, Abraham heard some noise over into the left. And what he heard was a ram. And it was, and, and that took the place of his son. But th- that stuck out to me. I, I, wondered, I wanted to teach that whole text today. I'm not going to. I'm going to say it for another time. But the thing that stuck out to me about that text is this. Is that Abraham offered his son to the Lord even though he didn't know what the outcome was gonna be. Can I challenge you with this? Would you offer yourself, your kids, you wanna offer your whole self to the Lord and trust God with the outcome of your life. God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna roll, I'm gonna trust you, God. I'm gonna place a little bit of faith in you, God. Now you put a little faith in God, the faith's gonna get greater and greater and greater and greater. With your life in here today, you're not a parent, like I told you, this doesn't be just for parents. You wanna be a godly person? Surrender your life to Jesus. You want to be a godly person. You want to be a person who's respectable and where people respect you at your job or at your work and with your friends. You want to be the, that friend where everybody respects you. Then surrender your life to God and quit trying to get people to like you and get people more interested in Jesus. Submit yourself to God. And on the third one, it seems so simple, but it's such a hard thing. I got an email from a lady this week, and she pretty much asked me the question, do you really love people? That was the whole deal. She had all these church things that happened to her. And she really was just asking me, do you love people? That's what I really want to know. And I said, well, we did this, and we did this, and we did this, and we did this, and we did this. She asked me some of the hot topics in church. And I said, yeah, man, I think I do love people well. The way to love people well is to do what Abraham did. You've got, to offer your, you've got to offer yourself to God. God, I want to love people more. So I want to you to stand up. And we're going to sing just a little bit of this song in here. Just Derek's going to lead us in a song of worship. Would you take a moment where you're at and would you pray? One of these things hit you today. And I'm not, I'm not, maybe it's a parent or maybe it's you as a person. You're like, man, I'm not loving people well. I'm not respecting people well. And I'm definitely not being the godly person I need to be. I, I'd like to be more godly, Wes. I'd like to be more respectful. I'd like to be more loved. Would you just bow your head and close your eyes where you're at? And would you begin asking God to help you in that area? Whatever your area is, this is an open invitation for all to say. Would you just take a moment where you're at today and just pray as Derek and the team begin to sing over. Just pray and ask God to work on that one thing in your life that you're not really, feel like you're not hitting it on all four cylinders like you should be. Come on, let's just sing this chorus together. We sang it a little bit ago. It's very simple. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Oh, my soul. Worship His holy name. Sing like never before. Oh, I worship His holy name. Come on, sing this verse with us. The sun comes up, it's a new day dawning. It's time to sing your song again. Whatever may pass and whatever lies before me. Let me be seen you in the evening. Bless the Lord, your church. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Oh my soul. Worship His holy name. Sing like ever before. Sing like